Section 19 of The Natural History, Volume 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Natural History, Volume 5 by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 19, Book 24, Chapters 44 to 63. Chapter 44, The Siler, Three Remedies. The leaves of the sila apply to the forehead a lay headache, and the seed of it, beaten up with oil, is curative of theriasis. Serpents also are greatly in dread of this tree, and it is for this reason that the country people are in the habit of carrying a walking stick made of it. Chapter 45. The Privet, Eight Remedies. The ligustrum, or privet, if it is the same tree as the cypress of the east, has also its own medicinal uses in Europe. The juice of it is used for affections of the sinews and joints, and for sudden chills, and the leaves are universally employed, with a sprinkling of salt, for the cure of inveterate sores and of ulcerations of the mouth. The berries are curative of thyreiasis and chafings between the thighs, for which last purpose the leaves also are employed. The berries are made use of for the cure of pip in poultry. Chapter 46. The Alder. One Remedy. The leaves of the alder, steeped in boiling water, are an undoubted remedy for tumours. Chapter 47. The Several Variety of the Ivy. 39 Remedies. We have already enumerated some twenty varieties of the ivy. The medicinal properties of them all are of a doubtful nature. Taken in considerable quantities, they disturb the mental faculties and purge the brain. Taken internally, they are injurious to the sinews, but applied topically, they are beneficial to those parts of the body. Ivy possesses properties similar to those of vinegar. All the varieties of the ivy are of a refrigerative nature, and taken in drink, they are diuretic. The softer leaves, applied to the head, allay headache, acting more particularly upon the brain and the membrane which envelops that organ. For this purpose, the leaves are bruised with vinegar and oil of roses, and then boiled, after which some more rose oil is added. The leaves, too, are applied to the forehead, and the mouth is fomented with a decoction of them, with which the head is rubbed as well. They are useful also for the spleen, the leaves being applied topically, or an infusion of them taken in drink. A decoction of them is used for cold shiverings and fevers, and for pituitous eruptions, or else they are beaten up in wine for the purpose. The umbels, too, taken in drink or applied externally, are good for affections of the spleen, and an application of them is used for the liver. Employed as a pessary, they act as an amenagogue. The juice of the ivy, the white cultivated kind more particularly, cures diseases of the nostrils and removes habitually offensive smells. Injected into the nostrils, it purges the head, and with the addition of nitre, it is still more efficacious for that purpose. In combination with oil, the juice is injected for suppurations or pains in the ears. It is a corrective also of the deformities of scars. The juice of white ivy, heated with the aid of iron, is still more efficacious for affectations of the spleen. It will be found sufficient, however, to take six of the berries in two syathi of wine. Three berries of the white ivy, taken in four oxymel, expel tapeworm, and in the treatment of such cases it is a good plan to apply them to the abdomen as well. Erasistratius prescribes twenty of the golden-coloured berries of the ivy, which we have mentioned as the carucarpus to be beaten up in one sextarius of wine, and he says that if three syathi of this preparation are taken for dropsy, it will carry off by urine the water that has been secreted beneath the skin. 
For cases of toothache, he recommends five berries of the Chrysocarpus to be beaten up in oil of roses and warmed in a pomegranate rind and then injected into the ear opposite the side affected. The berries, which yield a juice of a saffron colour taken beforehand in drink, are a preservative against crapulence. They are curative also of spitting of blood and of griping pains in the bowels. The whiter umbels of the black ivy taken in drink are productive of sterility, in males even. A decoction in wine of any kind of ivy is useful as a liniment for all sorts of ulcers, those even of the malignant kind known as cacoethes. The tears which distil from the ivy are used as a depilatory, and for the cure of theriasis. The blossoms, too, of all the varieties taken twice a day in astringent wine, a pinch in three fingers at a time, are curative of dysentery and looseness of the bowels. They are very useful also applied to burns with wax. The umbels stain the hair black. The juice extracted from the root is taken in vinegar for the cure of wounds inflicted by the phalangium. I find it stated, too, that patients suffering from affections of the spleen are cured by drinking from vessels made of the wood of the ivy. The berries are bruised also and then burned, and a liniment is prepared from them for burns, the parts being fomented with warm water first. Incisions are sometimes made in the ivy to obtain the juice, which is used for carious teeth, it having the effect of breaking them, it is said, the adjoining teeth being fortified with wax against the powerful action of the juice. A kind of gum even is said to be found in the ivy, which it is asserted is extremely useful, mixed with vinegar, for the teeth. Chapter 48. The Syslos. Five Remedies. The Greeks give the name of Syslos, a word very similar to Isos, the Greek name of the ivy, to a plant which is somewhat larger than thyme and has a leaf like that of Osimum. There are two varieties of this plant, the male, which has a rose-coloured blossom, and the female, with a white one. The blossom of either kind, taken in astringent wine, a pinch and three fingers at a time, is good for dysentery and looseness of the bowels. Taken in a similar manner twice a day, it is curative of inveterate ulcers. Used with wax, it heals burns, and employed by itself, it cures ulcerations of the mouth. It is beneath these plants more particularly that the hyposisthis grows, of which we shall have occasion to speak when treating of the herbs. Chapter 49. The Sissos Erythrenos, Two Remedies. The Chemiosissos, Two Remedies. The Smilax, Three Remedies. The Clematis, Eighteen Remedies. The plant called Sissos erythrenos by the Greeks is similar to the ivy. Taken in wine, it is good for sciatica and lumbago. The berries, it is said, are of so powerful a nature as to produce bloody urine. Kami Sissos also is a name given by them to a creeping ivy which never rises from the surface of the ground. Bruised in wine, in doses of one aotabulum, it is curative of affections of the spleen, the leaves of it being applied topically with axle grease to burns. The Smilax, also, otherwise known as the Anthophoros, has a strong resemblance to ivy, but the leaves of it are smaller. A chaplet, they say, made of an uneven number of the leaves, is an effectual cure for headaches. Some writers mention two kinds of Smilax, one of which is all but perennial, and is found climbing the trees in umbragus valleys, the berries hanging in clusters. These berries, they say, are remarkably efficacious for all kinds of poisons, so much so indeed that infants to whom the juice of them has been habitually administered are rendered proof against all poisons for the rest of their life. The other kind, it is said, manifests a predilection for cultivated localities, and is often found growing there, but as for medicinal properties, it has none. 
The former kind, they say, is the smilax, the wood of which we have mentioned as emitting a sound if held close to the ear. Another plant similar to this they call by the name of clematis. It is found adhering to trees and has a jointed stem. The leaves of it cleanse leprous sores, and the seed acts as an aperient, taken in doses of one acetabulum, in one hemina of water, or in hydromel. A decoction of it is prescribed also for a similar purpose. Chapter 50. The Reed. 19 Remedies. We have already treated of 29 varieties of the reed, and there is none of her productions in which that mighty power of nature, which in our successive books we have described, is more fully displayed than in this. The root of the reed, pounded and applied to the part affected, extracts the prickles of fern from the body, the root of the fern having a similar effect upon splinters of the reed. Among the numerous varieties which we have described, the scented reed, which is grown in Judea and Syria as an ingredient in our unguents, boiled with hay-grass or parsley seed, has a diuretic effect. Employed as a pessary, it acts as an emenagogue. Taken in drink, in doses of two oboli, it is curative of convulsions, diseases of the liver and kidney, and dropsy. Used as a fumigation, and with resin more particularly, it is good for coughs, and a decoction of it with myrrh is useful for scaly eruptions and running ulcers. A juice too is collected from it which has similar properties to those of elaterium. In every kind of reed, the part that is the most efficacious is that which lies nearest the root. The joints also are efficacious in a high degree. The ashes of the Cyprian reed, known as the donax, are curative of alopecia and putrid ulcers. The leaves of it are also used for the extraction of pointed bodies from the flesh, and for erysipelas, and all kinds of gatherings. The common reed, beaten up quite fresh, has also considerable extractive powers, and not in the root only, for the stem, it is said, has a similar property. The root is used also in vinegar as a topical application for sprains and for pains in the spine, and beaten up fresh and taken in wine, it acts as an aphrodisiac. The down that grows on reeds, put in the ears, deadens the hearing. Chapter 51. The Papyrus and the Paper Made from It. Three Remedies. Of a kindred nature with the reed is the papyrus of Egypt, a plant that is remarkably useful in a dried state for dilating and drying up fistulas, and by its expansive powers opening an entrance for the necessary medicaments. The ashes of paper prepared from the papyrus are reckoned among the caustics. Those of the plant taken in wine have a narcotic effect. The plant, applied topically in water, removes callosities of the skin. Chapter 52. The Ebony. Five Remedies. The ebony tree does not grow in Egypt even, as we've already stated, and it is not our intention to speak here of the medicinal properties of the vegetable productions of foreign climates. Still, however, the ebony must not be omitted on account of the marvels related to it. The sawdust of this wood, it is said, is a sovereign remedy for diseases of the eyes, and the pulp of the wood, rubbed upon a whitstone moistened with raisin wine, dispels all films which impede the sight. The root, too, they say, applied with water, is curative of white specks in the eyes, and with the addition of root of draconculis, in equal proportions, and of honey, of cough. Medical men reckon ebony also in the number of the caustics. Chapter 53. The Rhododendron. One Remedy. The rhododendron has not so much as found a Latin name among us, its other names being Rhododaphne and Nerium. It is a marvellous fact, but the leaves of this plant are poisonous to quadrupeds, while for man, if taken with wine with rue, they are an effectual preservative against the venom of serpents. 
Sheep too, and goats, it is said, if they drink water in which the leaves have been steeped, will die immediately. Chapter 54. The Ruse or Sumac Tree. Two varieties of it. Eight remedies. Stomatice. Nor yet has the tree called Ruse any Latin name, although it is employed in numerous ways. Under this name are comprehended a wild plant, with leaves like that of myrtle, and a short stem which is good as an expellent of tapeworm, and the shrub which is known as the courier's plant, of a reddish colour, a cubit in height, and about the thickness of one's finger, the leaves of which are dried and used like pomegranate rind for curing leather. Medical men also employ the leaves of these plants for the treatment of contusions, and for the cure of celiac affections, and of ulcers of the rectum, and vagadanic sores, for all which purposes they are pounded with honey and applied with vinegar. A decoction of them is injected for separations of the ears. With the branches, boiled, a stomatice is also made, which is used for the same purpose as that prepared from mulberries. It is more efficacious, however, mixed with alum. This preparation is applied also to reduce the swelling in dropsy. Chapter 55. Rus erythros. Nine remedies. Rus erythros is the name given to the seed of this shrub. It possesses properties of an astringent and cooling nature, and is used as a seasoning for provisions in place of salt. It has a laxative effect, and used in conjunction with sylphium, it gives a finer flavour to meat of all kinds. Mixed with honey, it is curative of running ulcers, pimples on the tongue, contusions, bruises, and excoriations. It causes ulcers of the head to cicatrise with the greatest rapidity, and taken with the food, it arrests excessive menstruation. Chapter 56. The Erythrodanus. 11 Remedies. The Erythrodanus, by some called Areothrodanus, and in Latin Rubia, is quite a different plant. It is used for dyeing wool, and skins for leather are prepared with it. Used medicinally, it is a diuretic, and employed with hydromel, it is curative of jaundice. Employed topically with vinegar, it heals lichens, and a potion is prepared from it for sciatia and paralysis, the patient while using it taking a bath daily. The root of it and the seed are effectual as an amenagogue. They act astringently upon the bowels and disperse gatherings. The branches, together with the leaves, are applied to wounds inflicted by serpents. The leaves, too, have the property of staining the hair. I find it stated by some writers that this shrub is curative of jaundice, even if worn as an amulet only and looked at every now and then. Chapter 57. The Allison. Two Remedies. The plant known as the allison differs only from the preceding one in the leaves and branches, which are more diminutive. It receives its name from the fact that, taken in vinegar and worn as an amulet, it prevents persons bitten by dogs from becoming rabid. It is a marvellous fact, too, that is added, to the effect that the person bitten has only to look at this shrub, and the flow of corrupt matter from the wound will be staunched immediately. Chapter 58. The Ridicula Ostruthian. Thirteen Remedies. The Epochinum. Two Observations Upon It. The ridicula, which we have already mentioned as being called struthian by the Greeks, is used by dyers for preparing wool. A decoction of it, taken internally, is curative of jaundice and diseases of the chest. It is diuretic also and laxative, and acts as a detergent upon the uterus, for which reasons medical men have given it the name of the golden beverage. Taken with honey, it is a sovereign remedy for cough, and it is used for hardness of breathing in doses of a spoonful. Applied with polenta and vinegar to the parts affected, it removes his leprous sores. Used with panax and root of the caper plant, it breaks and expels calculi, and a decoction of it in wine with barley meal disperses inflamed tumours. 
It is used as an ingredient in emollient plasters and ice salves for the site, and is found to be one of the most useful sternutories known. It is good too for the liver and the spleen. Taken in hydromel in doses of one denarius, it affects the cure of asthma, as also of pleurisy, and all pains in the sides. The apocynum is a shrub with leaves like that of ivy, but softer and not so long in the stalk, and the seed a bit pointed and downy, with a division running down it, and a very powerful smell. Given in their food with water, the seed is poisonous to dogs and all other quadrupeds. Chapter 59. Rosemary. 18 Remedies. There are two kinds of rosemary, one of which is barren, and the other has a stem with a resinous seed, known as cacris. The leaves have the odour of frankincense. The root, applied fresh, affects the cure of wounds, prolapsus of the rectum, condylomata, and piles. The juice of the plant, as well as of the root, is curative of jaundice and such diseases as require detergents. It is useful also for the sight. The seed is given in drink for inveterate diseases of the chest, and with wine and pepper for affections of the uterus. It acts also as an emenagogue, and is used with meal of darnel as a liniment for gout. It acts also as a detergent upon freckles, and is used as an application in diseases which require calorifics or sudorifics, and for convulsions. The plant itself, or else the root taken in wine, increases the milk, and the leaves and stem of the plant are applied with vinegar to scrofulous sores. Used with honey, they are very useful for cough. Chapter 60. The Seed Called Cacris As already stated, there are several kinds of cacris. But that which is produced by rosemary above mentioned, when rubbed, is found to be of a resinous nature. It neutralises poisons, and the venom of animals, that of serpents, excepted. It acts also as a sudorific, dispels griping pains in the bowels, and increases the milk in nursing women. Chapter 61. The Herb Savin. Seven Remedies. Of the herb Savin, known as brathy by the Greeks, there are two varieties— one of them with a leaf like that of the tamarics, the other with that of the cypress, for which reason some persons have called this last the Cretan cypress. It is used by many for fumigations as a substitute for frankincense. Employed in medicine, it is said to have the same effect as cinnamon, if taken in doses twice as large. It reduces gatherings, disperses corrosive sores, acts as a detergent upon ulcers, and, used as a pesse and as a fumigation, brings away the dead fetus. It is employed as a topical application for erysipelas and carbuncles, and taken with honey in wine is curative of jaundice. The smoke of this plant, they say, cures the pip in all kinds of poultry. Chapter 62. Seligo. Two remedies. Similar to savin is the herb known as seligo. Care is taken to gather it without the use of iron, the right hand being passed for the purpose through the left sleeve of the tunic, as though the gatherer were in the act of committing a theft. The clothing too must be white, the feet bare and washed clean, and a sacrifice of bread and wine must be made before gathering it. It is carried also in a new napkin. The druids of Gaul have pretended that this plant should be carried about the person as a preservative against accidents of all kinds, and that the smoke of it is extremely good for all maladies of the eyes. Chapter 63. Samulus. Two Remedies. The druids also have given the name of Samulus to a certain plant which grows in humid localities. This too, they say, must be gathered fasting with the left hand as a preservative against the maladies to which swine and cattle are subject. The person too who gathers it must be careful not to look behind him, nor must it be laid anywhere but in the troughs from which the cattle drink. 
End of section 19.